mom. She's a really good doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Lex, but I'm also mom to Isabella, Lance, and Lucia. Our mom takes care of our family, our friends, and her patients. On this podcast, our mom is going to be talking to her doctor friends and teaching you how to keep your family safe and healthy. Okay, mom. Ready for the show? Let's do it. Welcome to Family Health with Dr. Lex. You've made it. You have the career, the partner, the family you pictured as a child, but you're heavy, exhausted, and you keep hearing that voice in your head and your heart. It's quiet at first, but when you're alone and still, even if for just a few moments before you close your eyes at night, it's there speaking to you. And it's saying, what if there's more? What if I want to do something different? What if I want to make a change? Lucky for you, my guest today is Dr. Radhika Sharma, who is an OBGYN who made a massive life transition and left full-time clinical practice to become a life and wellness coach, offering one-on-one coaching and mentoring for small businesses and people who are looking to make a change and tackle some of the biggest and some of the smallest transitions in their lives, including changes and transitions in their mindset. I'm so excited to meet and speak with my friend, Dr. Radhika Sharma. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome her to the show. Hello, friends. Welcome to Family Health with Dr. Lex. I am really excited to interview Dr. Radhika Sharma because she's just a badass woman who made a huge change and transition in her life from being an OBGYN to a coach and mom. And she I assessed her life and she decided what she wanted to do and she announced her plans and then she did it. And that is one of the common threads that runs through this show is empowering us to live our best lives, identify our needs, announce them and act on them. And so I'm so excited that you are here, Dr. Sharma. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Lex. I'm excited to be here. And I think this is going to be a great journey with you and I. Yeah, we we talked earlier a little bit about how we are really not prepared or trained or encouraged to assess what we want at all stages of life. I think we start on our career journey and we get this idea in our head of what we want our lives to look like. And for a lot of people, it's point A to point B with minimal deviations from that. Mm -hmm. And I think that this conversation and just kind of preparing for it, I really want to talk to you about how to continually assess what, where you are, what you want and how to make changes and to live through difficult transitions in life, because we all go through them like it or not intentional or unintentional, and they can you know, they can make or break us. They can make us uh, put us into some really dark places or they can bring us to some of the brightest, you know, most beautiful, um, uncharted and unexplored territory. So I would love for you to tell my friends who are listening how you kind of came to um, be a coach when you started out working as an obstetrician gynecologist. Yes, absolutely. So I'm, going to say that my story is probably not very different, whether you're a physician or an entrepreneur, 
you know, I, as you said, was focused on point A to point B, finished residency, got married, started my first job, thought, yep, I'm here. I'm where I want to be. And, you know, building a practice, working through the hospital, getting to know what it was like to be an attending, but having that feeling in the back of my head that there was more and that I wanted to be more. I wanted to do more. I wanted an impact for men and women to understand here, how do you equip yourself mentally and physically to get to live your best life? And, you know, we're not taught that we're not taught to put to prioritize ourselves. We're taught to prioritize our careers and our finances. And so I had my first child and I kept kind of chucking along. I was that um, mom who took three weeks off and then returned back to work shortly after that because of the pressures that I felt, well, I can't be away from my practice too long. I can't be away from my patients too long. You know, so I kept driving forward to the point where I was like, okay, uh, I had my baby. And then I had my second baby about a year and a half later. And then after having my second child and moving states, um, I just kind of had this feeling like if I was going to do something differently, I needed to figure it out now. And I needed to assess that by really looking internally. So I really started kind of doing what everybody does, looking on the internet, trying to find groups, trying to find things that I could connect to. And what I kept finding is I didn't think there was enough support out there for people who were at this point of their career looking for something more or looking for making a transition. And so that's kind of where everything began. Um, I kind of came across a couple Facebook groups that started introducing me to the idea of coaching. I had been following several different coach podcasts, reading different books. And then I started looking into different coaching courses. And from there, I decided to commit. And now you provide support, education, accountability for people who are trying to find what it is that they really want that will really um, help them fulfill their potential and live the life that they want? Is that what you- Yeah, I would definitely agree. So um, what I did is I felt like I kind of created this model of what I was trying, who I was trying to serve. And I saw the busy mom or dad or just busy individual walking through the door of their garage with a backpack on their back, a child or a dog on one arm, a pile of books on their head, and just trying to juggle it all. And then if you if you like cartoons, you can see that character running through the quicksand and just drowning and unable to get and just running and drowning. And so my goal was to help individuals who are feeling like that get out of their own way, ask the questions they need to ask, and help create strategies and actionable plans to actually put those plans into action or try to take those steps that they haven't been able to take. And so, um, you know, you can do that without having any sort of coaching background. I looked at a lot of different coaching schools and I found um, the Martha Beck Wayfinder coaching program. What I loved about it was just how intentional all of the work was. So what I've gained, not only to help 
you know, people along the way who I work with, but for myself is there's been a lot of insight. There's been a lot of reflection. I've been able to intentionally put things in my day that are making me more effective and essentially making me get out of my own way. So I feel more full and present for myself and my family at the end of the day. Yeah. You, if you, if any of you listening have ever read anything about, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, you you learn early on about your ideal clients. Like who is the person that you want to serve? And you are taught to create that person, give that person a name, write down what she's, she or he is wearing, what their job is, what their home looks like, what their day looks like. And so that you know how, what exactly, what value you can bring to that person's life by solving that person's problem. And so I love how you describe your ideal client. The person that you want to help the most is that person who you describe sounds like all of us sounds like so many of us just with the pack, the the pounds and pounds of weight on our shoulders, literal and figurative. I imagine myself when you were talking, walking in the garage, trying to get in the house with all the grocery bags. So I only yes. have one trip because I don't yes. have this crap and thinking to myself, you know, sometimes there's got to be a better way, you know? And so you, you describe your perfect client really does sound like so many people who are just caught on that hamster wheel of going through the motions living the life that maybe they saw 20 years ago and feel like I've reached the pinnacle. I achieved everything I set out to achieve and yet there's something missing. And I want to point out that there's a lot of shame and guilt around those feelings, you know, especially for high achieving women, when you appear to have it all, meaning you have the career that you set out to achieve, you have, uh, you know, the relationship or not that you want you know, in your life, um, whether you want to be a single working woman or, a, you know, married with children, without children, but, but whatever it is that you pricked it for yourself, you have it, you have an income, you have benefits, you have a car, you know, and by all accounts, everything looks like you should be perfectly happy. And a lot of people would say, well, girl, what are you complaining about? And there's right. guilt and shame associated with those feelings. Like I sh- why do I feel like I want more? I should feel completely content. And there's that little devil on your shoulder tugging at you at night saying either you can do more or be more or, you know, live the dream that you have now and not necessarily have to live out the dream that you had 20 years ago. Yeah. And I I think what I really try to focus on, and I love the way you said, it doesn't matter whether you're, you've decided to be that single woman who's does not want a relationship, but has reached the pinnacle of what, what they thought they wanted in their career, because that's truly the feelings that I started having. And then I'm noticing a lot of my clients, coworkers, friends, we're all having that feeling like, shouldn't I be happy with the fact that I made it here and that I have a home and then I have my own car and then I can pay my bills and take my trips. Why do I want more? And part of what I like to work to do is say, normalize that. It's okay. So if you think about something as simple as, you know, we learn in psychology, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I talk about this all the time with my clients and even with my friends, we're now at that point of the, the pyramid where we've reached, you know, we've had, we've 
got our food, shelter, water, we've gotten education, we have relationships, and now we're at the self-actualization part. And that's okay. You know, it's, it's, that's the one thing that we've really kind of opened up from this pandemic. It's okay to want more. It's a matter of organizing and thinking, what does that more mean to me? And what I really work to do is help people look at their essential self. I look at the social self versus the essential self. And that's kind of so much of what you were talking about. That social self is that part of us that is what we should be be doing, what the expectation by society is. And that essential self is that voice in our mind at night that's saying, wait, I want more. And, you know, so many of us work to, oh, quiet it down. Nope. Put it off your shoulder. Shoe fly, shoe. No, I'm good. I'm good where I'm at. But I'm saying, why not open up your heart, open up your mind, open up your body to what that essential self truly wants and listen to it and explore it. Because it's scary AF. It's Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and you talk about this concept of identifying what it is that you want from the inside out and chasing after a transition, kind of creating a transition that's intentional because you are, you do the work to assess your needs and your wants and put them on paper and say, this is what I want to do. And this is how I do it. You assess, you um, identify that as an internal process. My story was a little bit different. My transition came upon me. And I don't know whether you want to call it, um, you know, rationalizing or, um, uh, you know, I guess finding the silver lining, but once this kind of massive change occurred in my life that I had no control over, it was external to me. It forced me to decide whether I was going to make a change, you know, whether whether I was going to go with that change and just continue down that quicksand path um, with circumstances beyond my control, or whether I was going to take the reins and take control of that change and that transition. You know, I was living in New York with my husband and our two children at the time. Um, We were, I was pregnant with my third, and we were just trying to figure out what we wanted out of life. And a work circumstance basically gave us two options on the table. And so we sat down and we said, well, we can either go with this option and stay here and continue down this path where essentially we were working very hard, two incomes, busy household with kids, working hard just to pay the bills Mm -hmm. and not spending a ton of time with our kids, or we can take the hard road. You know, that's going to be a hard road, but we can take the harder road, which is identify that we don't want that and make a massive change. And the easy thing for us to change, believe it or not, was our, the place where we lived because by moving 600 miles to North Carolina, we freed up a whole bunch of financial cash flow. You know, the lower cost of living allowed us to do the other things that we wanted to do. Yes. We sacrificed some things. We both grew up on the ocean, like on the ocean. And we live in central North Carolina where it's two hours. So that was a sacrifice. We experience a massive shift in our careers. My husband went from a career in education where he had a pension and, you know, 10 years in and benefits. And, um, uh, he was a high, high ranking in that hierarchy. And he left all of it behind to start from scratch, a real estate company here in North Carolina. Um, so we, 
weighed what was going to happen, the pros and cons, the money down to the cent of you know whether this is going to work or not. And ultimately, we went down what we think was the harder path. Mm-hmm. And that forced a shift in mindset and it forced us to go internal and assess what we wanted. So kind of the opposite, we look at it now as the greatest thing we ever did. And right. whether that's rationalizing or whether it's really just kind of the fact that we stepped back and did the assessment and took a look and made decisions about what we wanted and how we were going to pursue what we wanted. I mean, we thought about everything. Where do we want to raise our children? Do we want them to be, be able to walk to the grocery store or, you know, ride go-karts in the woods? Do we want to, you know, spend more money on taxes for a better school district? Or do we want to homeschool them and go, you know, travel half the year? We thought about all of it. And it was such a, a, a valuable and difficult lesson in self-reflection and self-assessment for us as individuals and as a couple, how we wanted to see our future selves. And I love that because I kid you not, my story with my family is not very different. And to many of the people I talk to, it's the same idea. You know, you think of this catalytic event and catalytic, you know, sometimes you think, oh, that's actually bad. This catalytic event sends you into this change cycle where, you know, you think, you know, we are as individuals, we are used to living a certain life. We are used to going to work, coming home, bathing our kids, making meals, and actually coming out of that normal cycle is frightening. It's scary. The change can be scary. And so actually from our very primitive fight or flight response, we literally are not used to wanting to change anything in our conscious minds. The way we are developed, we don't want to change. We actually avoid change. And so when we start to think of change, just like you said, you know, we actually avoid it and think of all the reasons we shouldn't be making the change, all the reasons why we should stay in our full-time job with a pension and a 401k and full benefits. And, oh, but of course we need to send our kids to the better school district, because if we don't, then what are they going to miss out on? And are we going to feel guilty that we, you know, and then you open up. And when you have these conversations, whether it be with yourself, whether it be with your partner, and it does take a lot of internal and then coming to the table and saying, you know what, what do I want? How do I want to get there? And if it's different, that's okay. That's okay if I don't want to be working the nine to five. And The thing for me as a full-time OBGYN, and I'm sure you can appreciate this too, the minute you say, I don't want to do full-time medicine anymore, people start looking at you like, well, what are you going to do? What what do you mean you're going to be a life coach? What do you mean you're going to provide population health and information to women on social media? People are thinking, well, wait, what is that? Like, what, what? Like, how, why would you leave medicine? And so what people don't understand is, that is something that I evaluated for myself that I absolutely love my career. I love being an OBGYN. I have not completely left medicine, but I just realized that my impact, I wanted to, you know, also strike from a wellness position. And I was seeing my patients, especially during this pandemic, as I'm sure you have, that it was so much more than health. Like their health, they were coming into the office because they were 
missing that human connection and the ability to talk to someone. And this was unroofing with everybody at home and the world shut down, unroofing what they really wanted. And they were scared to do it. And so that's the beauty of being able to, you know, create an alliance with someone to help walk them through that. Because majority of us are like, I'm not doing that work. It's way too hard. It's too hard to look into my mind and face the feeling of what if I fail? What if this doesn't work? What if this change does not benefit my family? And so that's a lot of the things that I've noticed from so many individuals around me. And and that's kind of what led me to be like, this is my calling. This is what I want to do. Yeah, I think the, the pandemic was this kind of grand pause. I, I talked to my kids in terms that, you know, of like, I feel like Mother Nature, like the universe intervened upon us and uh, insisted, forced us to pause and mm-hmm. listen to the voices in our heads, listen to our the people who are immediately around us and assess whether or not we want to continue in this endless rat race or whether we want to change our lives and make it different. And that, that silence, that inactivity, that time that we were afforded, you know, obviously the pandemic was grave, you know, mortality and uh, so many negative things came from it. But I feel like the one silver lining was that we were given that time, we were granted that time to rest and to assess. And so many people are coming out of it thinking, I don't want to go back to what it was before. I don't want to be idle. I don't want to be locked in my home. I don't want to work on Zoom every day for the rest of my life. But I do want something different or something more. And, you know, people were given the chance to go outside and, you know, garden and people were given the chance to hike and maybe take a road trip or, you know, explore other things that they had to fill their time with. Like, man, I missed crocheting. I really, no, I'm not a crocheter, but like as an example, <laughs> yeah. I really missed the, the time that I used to have or make to do the things that I love to do, record an album, you know, learn an instrument, cook, all these things that, We fill our days with other obligations that take us away from the things that made us who we are. Mm -hmm. And so that grand pause, you know, hopefully will never happen again, but is kind of a little, um, you know, uh, spark to remind us that we need to take a break every once in a while and assess, you know, we need to maybe take a weekend or an hour or, you know, do summer vacation to think about and evaluate where you are, where you're going. Are you on the path you want to be on? If not, how are you going to change it? And my mother always used to say, because I'm an adventurer, I am restless. I don't like, yeah, yeah. Your story tells that (laughs) medicine, but I, from the, from the get-go, I said, I will never sit in an office Monday to Friday, nine to five. That will never be me. And, um, and my career reflects that I, you know, as a family physician, I've done a whole bunch of different things that my, um, that my experience and my training set me up for. But my mother used to say, you, you write your plans down. You write every single thing down that you want to do. You don't have to sit in an office nine to five. She's like, you want to teach, you teach, you want to write a book, you write a book. You want to, you know, she's like, write all your plans in pencil. She would say, that's it. Just don't be afraid to erase it and rewrite it or rewrite an entirely new story you know, and, um, that's advice that I live by. I give my, give to my children, like write all the plans down, 
right all of it. We, we live in a very different mindset, I think, than our parents' generation. And my mom was, she was a rebel from day one, but you know, <laughs> our parents, they went, you know, had a career and they did that career every day for the rest of their life. There was no, you're going to go into medicine and you're going to become a teacher. You're going to become a consultant. You're going to go into, into pharma or research. Like if you were going to be a doctor, you would going to go take care of patients, mm-hmm. you know, and think about all of our colleagues who utilize our training and our skills. Cause we're not just physicians. We're speakers, we're educators, we're writers, we're movie makers, we are artists. There's so many different ways that a single human can express what, you know, their gifts. And um, to think that it's just in one lane is absurd. And it, and it devalues, you know, other parts of your personality and your characteristics and your interests. And, um, and, and it puts them in places that nobody can see them. And, and, It's so nice the way you said, you know, when you go to, when you go to teacher's college, when you go to be a teacher, you're defined by the, you know, goalposts of being a teacher. If you're going to medicine, well, I'm a doctor. And as you said, our parents' generation did a great job of saying, my job is to find a, you know, get, find a career, explore that career, find a partner, form some sort of a relationship have children, support my family. Those are wonderful goals. They're absolutely wonderful. But it gave very little time for people to actually fill up their own cup. And I feel like what we're learning now is if we are given the opportunity to fill up our own cup first, the amount that we can give to those around us, including our own families, right? Even by taking the time to step back from life just a little bit and pause, like you said, how much time did we actually get to sit down and talk to our sisters or our our brother or our children and say, tell me about your day. How are you feeling? Hey, let's read a book and talk about this book. We never would have had that time. We never would have been able to take a hike in the woods and get lost with our children because we had to come back and snap back and get back to it. And so I find that one, the other thing I'm finding is I'm learning myself and I'm, I'm, trying to make sure I process, send that message that you don't have to be defined by your job or your title. If you're a working mom or if you're a stay-at-home mom, you don't have to be just a stay-at-home mom. If you're a doctor, you're not just a doctor. You get to be the athlete, the entrepreneur. You get to be the scientist and you get to decide who you're going to be. And the fact that you were saying, you know, write it in pencil and scratch it away. You get to change that story. There are going to be forks in the road. You don't have to continue to go straight. You can choose right. You can choose left and you can change course. Come back and go backwards. Fall on your face a couple of times and get up and do it again. And that's okay. It's totally okay. And by doing that, not only are we normalizing it, we're telling the next generation, hey, it's okay if you made a mistake. It's a challenge. It's a bump in the road and reassess move forward the next time. Hey, you wanted to be a teacher. Now you want to be a doctor. Now you want to be a mechanic. Okay, sure. It's okay. And I think for so long before the pandemic, we didn't do that. We we didn't make it okay for, you know, our kids to say, you know, once you're down one path, you're going to stay on that path and you're going to stay that way. And so by putting them in that box and putting ourselves in that box, are we limiting ourselves? Probably you know, probably. And I think that the main thing is to say, 
you know, look at yourself, look internally, look at that essential self. There's so much time that we work to just protect that fight or flight response, protect that wall, put that wall up and say, nope, nothing is going to get in. This is my life. I am happy. I am happy. I am. This is good. But what if there was more? And that's okay. Yeah. You know, we, we, um, we were kind of obviously children of those parents who kind of had that point A to point B mentality and really no deviation from what that career and that life looks like. And so, uh, you know, it was the kind of thought process among my friends and I in high school that you were to get the best grades you could get. You were to go to the best college you could go to, no matter how much it cost. And that way that was going to open doors for you. That was going to open all kinds of opportunities, all kinds of network and all kinds of connections um, so that you could go and be the most successful professional you could be. And now when I look back at that, I'm kind of appalled at that approach. And it wasn't that my parents really put that on me. I mean, I, they, they wanted me to go to college, but you know, so that wasn't really ever a conversation about not going to college. But now I think to myself, my goal was to become the most successful professional that I could become. And really, I never had the chance to develop my own idea of what success is. If I look back now at myself at 18, 19, 20, 21, getting ready to graduate college, it would have, and I look at my daughter who's getting ready to go to college in a couple of years, you know, Mm -hmm. I will see her as successful no matter, you know, as long as she's happy, but, you know, if she decides she wants to take a year and go, you know, travel the world, or if she wants to try to start a business or she doesn't want to go to college and she wants to do something different, you know, each person's definition of success can look very different, especially nowadays when it is so easy to create a career. It is so easy to, you know, start a business or, you know, jump into opportunities that you might not easily walk into if you went down the college path, you know, high school, college career path. There's so much that's out there. What it really boils down to is at this point, I can't put any of what I look at as success onto my child, who's going to be making decisions about her life going forward. I have to allow her to say, what do you think will make you successful? And to be honest, you don't have to decide in college. If you don't, you know, if you go to college, you don't have to pick a career. You can start, you could do, do whatever you want. And then when you're ready and you know what you want to do, you can start to go down that path. It doesn't have to be at 21 when you haven't even really explored yourself or the world. And we also have left out the, we have not allowed ourselves to go through seasons of life. What we want for ourselves and our life when we're 20, 25, 30 looks very different than what we want for our lives at 60, 65, 70. You know, and so to transition and change as our life circumstances change is is something that is not um, not there's, there's not enough value or emphasis placed. And I feel like it should. I feel like your life should change, you know, between between decades or between circumstances. You know, when you have a child, that's a massive change in your life. Why wouldn't your career, your work hours, your hobbies, why wouldn't that all change? When your kids go to college and you become empty nesters, 
why is that not a, a, a you know a marker, a chapter in your life that's a that's a gateway to change? You know, you're already changing everything. You know, you, you may as yeah. well consider doing something different than what you've been doing. We don't allow for those chapters to open and close. We think that it's just one long book that is continuous and you know unchanging. Yeah, I think I think a big thing. No, I absolutely agree. And I think that the big thing, the big word that I focus on so much is transitions and saying it's, you know, looping from one to the next to the next. I know that I came to a point in my career where I knew I loved women's health, but I was waking up in the morning and thinking, why am I doing this again? You know, I'm coming home. I'm racing home from the office in order to put a, a nice, healthy cooked meal on the table, or at least warm up some sort of leftovers yeah. and then bring the best version of myself. However, I'm feeling from the day for my children in order to get them to bath time, bedtime, and put my feet up and pass out and not give me myself anything, do it all over again. And yeah. so when I woke up from or when I started, I shouldn't say when I woke up, when I started listening to, hey, if you're not loving this anymore, that's okay. The first reaction to me was, wait, no, you have to love this. You're going to be doing this till you're ready to retire, till like your eyesight gives out and you can't work out in the, where you can't work in the OR anymore. And when I said, wait, but does that, the definition of what my life, what I want my life to look like? And do I want my children to see mom coming home feeling beaten down like she's carrying 50 pounds of weight on her back and then just putting a smile on my face and being like, I got this kids, I, I got this, I can do this. And then are they going to create that same definition? And are they not going to be able to say, well, if I don't work this hard and if I don't exhaust myself, the world is not going to see me as successful or if I can't, you know, putting, putting the ideas on materials that are going to give us happiness and wealth. Like you said, you guys made a change from New York to North Carolina. That's huge. People could say, well, you left a wonderful school district. You were going to, you were going to raise your children in one of the, the best States in the country. And you would have given them so much diversity. And, but if you couldn't give them that time and give them that connection and really help them learn who they are, are we really giving them the wealth that they need? Yeah. And when you look at it from the perspective of, you know, for the parents who are listening, when you look at it from the perspective of even if you can't do this or recognize this for yourself, when you when you know when you know you're willing to do anything to make your children's lives you know um, happy and successful, if you put it in that perspective, like what kind of lesson am I teaching? What kind of legacy am I leaving? Or example am I setting for my children? You know, it really changes your motivation. It really it really you know kind of gives you this push from behind. Like you're not going to do it for yourself. You know, think about how this how your life happiness or lack of happiness, um, career satisfaction or lack of career satisfaction, ability to fulfill your potential or not. Think of how that is being viewed by your children and it changes your motivation. It changes how you, how willing you are to move forward because you do want to give them those skills. You do want to show them how to do that. You don't want to just tell them, oh, you can be anything and then have them say, well, mom, you wanted to do 
write a book, but you're not doing exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, it's so, it's so good that you say that because the truth is we were, you know, if, if we had the parents that were really focused on that point A to point B, that this is the way it should be, then we're modeling off of them. Right. So how will they know any different than like, well, you know, and I, and I pride, you know, the importance of academia, but I also pride the importance of like being a good person. Sometimes that whole competitive nature to what well, I have to be the best what does the best mean? What does it mean if we can't teach them kindness and compassion and empathy? And, you know, in medicine, there's an inherent competition between physicians all the time. I find it's, you know, I feel like we're sometimes the one group group of people who don't try to come together and kind of build everyone up and say, hey, it's okay if you want to make a change. And you've decided that, medicine is not your everything. I want to make sure that we take to the next generation that no matter what you do in academia, there are going to be doors that remain open for you. You just have to open them. You just have to. And if somebody knocks, you open the door and you take the opportunity and it's scary. And it can happen at any point in your life. As you said, you could be into any career, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, how many times do we see people change? And yes, you're going to have the noise around you saying, why would she do that? Why would he do that? What's the family going to feel? That is all going to happen. It, the truth is, how are we going to react to it? And is it going to stop us from fulfilling the dream, the potential, the wish, the desire that we have? Yeah. And how, you know, <laughs> we deal life and death all the time. How many, you know, how, how much regret will you have when you're, you know, towards the end of your life, looking back, you know, what are you going to say you wish you did differently? What are you going to say you wish you did differently? Do it because that, you know, you don't know how much time we know all too well that you don't know how much time you have. And it sounds cliche, but when you meet people with the regrets, you know, who are on their way out, it really forces us to take a good look at what we're doing and how we're living and how we want to do better and be better for ourselves, for our families, for our children. It's, um, it's really, it's really eye-opening. And I find that a lot of our colleagues feel that way because we help hold life and death in our hands every day. Um, <clears throat> I want to address something though, that is kind of logistical. Is that a word mm. logistical or logistic? logistical? Yeah, like, it might work. <laughs> <laughs> I want to discuss the logistics of this. Yeah. The, my friends who are listening are going to say, well, you're talking how you and your physician colleague friends, you know, want to take a break and, um, you know, change direction in your life. And you, um, I want you to explain to me how you coach people who are going through this, who are evaluating the potential, um, how this is going to affect them financially, you know, even though I have an income that can support me taking a break and evaluating my life, I have had to work twice as hard to get ahead in one area so that I could cut back in the other. I had to make shifts to my finances as well. So I don't want my friends who are listening to think that only people who have the financial means to make a change in their life can. So tell me how um, someone with a you know, with a median income who is, you know, working a nine to five and doing the same kind of stuff that we're talking about, you know, can make that shift, even if they have, don't have a ton of money in the bank or a ton of vacation time, where do people start? 
You know, this is not something that that is a luxury. This is something that everyone has access to and the change that everyone can make, regardless of your income, regardless of your socioeconomic status or your education level. Tell me how much. Yeah, and, and I think that that's, that's, that's so good because I'll agree with you that when I left full-time practice, you could say, oh yeah, of course she could do that. She's a physician, but keep in mind, like guys, I had a ton of student debt. There was a ton of other you know, financial obligations that I had. Everyone forgets about the debt. Everyone forgets, right? It's like, oh yeah, they make, sure. But, and then I also have a home and mortgage, you know, just like everybody else. I Just, just like everybody else. The truth is I had to reevaluate what was important to me. And so what I try to focus on is I'm not saying, hey, up and leave your career. I'm saying, let's look at what factors in your life are currently feeling like they're displeasing to you. Why are they displeasing? How do we work with your mindset to change it to a wellness mindset? Because we know that our bodies very much react to our thoughts, our feelings, our actions. If you're at an place or, you know, whether you're at a school or you're at an office, or even if you're in Zoom, you can pick this up, that the environment is toxic, that you can feel the toxicity. What is causing that toxicity? We work to break down and say, I'm feeling like this part of my life is not optimized. It's not optimal. It's bringing me down. Usually there's an area in your life that will be disseminating to all other areas and affecting them. And what we do is we work to identify those thoughts. I always talk to my clients about catching those thoughts out of the air and figuring out where do they come from? And what do we want those thoughts to look like? How would we be able to change things if we didn't have that thought? What makes that thought not true? When you change the thought, then you feel differently and then you can act differently. And even from a financial perspective, the first thing when someone says, I'm going to take a break, a sabbatical, take, okay, fine. So what would you need to do? How much time do you want in order to re-energize, recuperate? What do you need? Do you need a day? Do you need six hours? Do you need an afternoon to yourself in order to journal? What do you need that will allow you to reset that body compass? And then I really work with people on something that I love to call the body compass. And it's right from my coaching. And what we do is we work to help you understand why, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, how does your body react and really allow your body to lead what helping you make the decisions because i'll tell you if you're starting to get that racing heart rate the i'm gonna throw up feeling you feel like you're gonna buckle at the knees you feel like you're gonna pass out it's likely what you're doing is not serving you for the better and you're not going to feel like you're getting ahead and you're going to continue to run in this quicksand whereas if we reevaluate and think okay what brings me that warm feeling inside the tingling in my fingers that feels so good that smile on my face that i can't wipe off the cheeks what is doing that and it may not be leaving your job it may be like i really like to go for a walk yeah you know fresh i get outside i had a, a stressful conversation a stressful zoom meeting a, i had something that was a trigger what did i do to take that trigger and change the thought and do an action that made me feel better. I went outside and took a breath, five breaths of fresh air. 
I went outside and I stretched. I stood up from my desk and I went and made a coffee and that brought me joy. It's looking back at the things that are going to create joy and change the negative mindset to, hey, I'm going to do these actionable things and it's going to be little steps. It's not like I just woke up in November and said, I'm leaving. I'm out. Nope. No plan. They were actionable steps that I started listening to myself. I started creating a plan and then I took a step. And that's what I do with people. I say, what do we want? What is our goal? What are the top three goals that we want to achieve right now? And then we work towards setting up a strategy and a plan that's actionable. And that actually works for you. Yeah. When you, when you talk about making these massive moves or going through massive transitions, like a move of your location or a change in your career, or, you know, uh, uh, shifting the the dynamics of the workload at home, you know, which partner is going to parent and drive the kids around, which parent's going to be the breadwinner. These are like massive life changes. These are affect your finances. They affect your, you know, your uh, future. They affect the kind of house you live in, where you live. They even affect your self-worth. Yeah. Yeah. You you have questions like, what am I bringing to the table now? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we can, we can address those big things, but what you're saying is that we have to get to know ourselves first. We have to get to know about the very small things that are, um, that are in our, in our daily lives that bring us joy, that we can create, we can make time for. And when we start to get to know those parts of ourselves and we can identify which emotions we want to have, the physical sensations that we want to feel, you know, we can decide that we want to be in that kind of mindset more often than not, then you can start to have the confidence and place enough value on those feelings and emotions that will give you the courage to, to go forward and make those, you know, those next steps, take those next steps towards a bigger transition. And I love how you talk about journaling because I always look at journaling, like we give our other people a lot more compassion and love and um, uh, wiggle room. What's the word? Um, we, 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 we give people a lot more um, freedom than we give ourselves. hundred percent. And so when you journal, it's funny because you're writing things down that are coming from your mind and your brain and you're writing them down. And when they're on paper outside in front of you, it's almost like it's like, it's not you. It's almost like it's another person. And if you could talk, like, see, those are the wishes and the dreams and the desires of another person. You're probably going to be kinder with them. You're probably going to be more compassionate and more motivated, you know, motivating and, and, um, and inspired by that the concept of those are someone else's dreams. And then when you look and say, oh, they're mine. If you were to give yourself that same compassion, that same support and that same self-love that you would give to someone else, when it's on paper and you separate it from yourself, it's almost like you can talk to yourself. You know, you yes. can encourage yourself. You can give that, that motivation and that self. That you're that mo- third party. You're that third party you need. You're the, yeah. cheer- you're, you're the cheerleader. We all look for what is going to make us feel good from around us. Yeah. And then to actually say, how much have I gotten to know what I can give myself? Yeah. What, because by giving to myself, then I'll be able to create actionable steps. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people say, well, but one day I'm going to have to just change everything. Mm-hmm. But the change is slow. You know, neither you nor I, when we made the large changes in our life, we didn't just wake up and you and your husband didn't decide, hey, next week we're moving. Yeah. By the way, we're going to change our entire life. 
Um, my husband and I didn't just say, Hey, by the way, you know, Radhika, you're going to just stop working and we have no idea what we're doing next. We have, you know, so it's a matter of actually deciding what you want and then being comfortable to have those conversations with yourself, but also those around you that will be feeling this impact. I talk to my kids about this. I have a three-year-old and a 15 month old. Mm-hmm. I don't, I know they didn't really understand, yeah. but by saying it out loud and saying, this is what mommy's going to do. And this is how we're going to do this. I felt that I was involving my entire world and I was taking accountability for these actions. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you describe talking about, you know, identifying what it is that you want and maybe writing them down, writing it down over time, like, you know, somebody who's working in a full-time job and doesn't have the ability to take another pause to assess, Mm -hmm. you know, just a couple of minutes here and there of conversing with a loved one or journaling or, you know, recording your thoughts on, you know, uh, on on, on a, voice note and then like listening back to hear yourself say what it is that you want little bits over time you can kind of coach yourself and you can kind of you know awaken those and and become aware to what you're feeling slowly over time you don't need to take a big decide what you want to do with your life but when you get to know yourself and you have an idea of your goals it sounds silly it's like we know we feel things, but a lot of times we don't name those feelings. Like I feel frustrated with my job or whatever, you know, and then, or I feel frustrated when I have to make dinner every night. Like it's little changes, not even saying so much like, Hey, leave your job tomorrow. Because a lot of the time, a lot of people will say, but I like my job. I feel stressed by something that's going on at home or something when I went to the gym or when I go to a class, somebody says this to me. And we don't realize that sometimes we take these little things and we allow them to compound so much that they start affecting the world around us. They start, again, flowing to every part. It's like a web, right? And so it's like opening up that web, giving it some air, giving it some space and giving yourself that that time and that space to decide, Hey, how am I going to reevaluate, restructure and move forward? Yeah. You know, we talked about little things like that are going to help, um, fill our own cups, like going outside and exercising or taking deep breaths. We talked about moving between states somewhere in the middle of that, (laughs) somewhere in the middle of those two extremes of change, you know, could be just a matter of restructuring, getting creative or having, you know, once you identify what you want, having the the courage to approach your boss and say, hey, you know, I've proven myself in this area and I would like to consider, you know, be considered for a different position or change the way I work. You know, I'd like to consider for you to consider me working a four day work week and, you know, uh, maintain the same productivity or efficiency and, you know, whatever you can kind of become creative and think about, you don't have to leave your job. Maybe you just need to gain the the self-worth and the confidence, yes, courage, the confidence and the esteem to talk about restructuring, you know, is it, is it that, you know, you, one of your goals is that you feel like you don't spend time with your children, but you're, you know, you're working to pay for their daycare. You know, mm-hmm. is that, is that a sacrifice that you're willing to make or consider restructuring? Maybe if I work from home two days, you know, I can, um, I'll make less, maybe I'll make less money, but maybe I won't have to spend as much on childcare, you know, mm-hmm. and you can kind of shift or restructure and accomplish 
all of the goals that you want to accomplish. You need to know what they are. You need to know what yeah. are. you need to know what your goals are in 100%. order to be able to make those changes. Oh, such good I love thing. it. It's just so, I mean, yes, it's, it's something that I can tell you're passionate about. I'm passionate about. And the truth is it's not, um, not hard. I'm not going to say, Oh, it's easy. Yeah. It's not, not hard. It takes work. It takes thought work. It takes guidance and it takes steps yeah. and you are not alone doing, you know, to the listeners, you are not alone doing this. There are so many of us that are doing this. It's, yeah. It doesn't matter if, again, I've said, it doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, or if you're a dog walker, or if you're a physician, it doesn't matter. There are actionable steps that need to be taken in order to decide how you want your life to look. Yeah. Your feelings are valid. Your dreams have meaning and um, are, you can accomplish anything you set out to accomplish. You can change your life in any way, whether you are, you know, just starting out whether you're 30 years in, whether you have a minimum wage income or make millions of dollars, you can change the structure of how every minute of every day goes. You can change the course of your life going forward. I love how you talk about how you are an OBGYN and you love women's health. And when you said that initially, anyone thinking that a physician who takes care of women's health is obviously taking care of their bodies and their babies. And what I heard when you said that, Hey, stop it. My dog's looking. What I heard when you said that was you are taking care of women's health. You are taking care of, uh, of our minds and our, um, our dreams and giving women the support and education and, um, confidence to go forward. And that's women's health. That's what we're here for. That's why we are talking about this. And for those people who are listening, your mental health trumps, you know, it, it, it plays, it, it is directly related to your physical health, but it trumps everything. You know, you're being happy is you're being healthy. And when you're in a healthy place, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, you are more inclined to take care of your body and you're more inclined to live a healthy life and engage in relationships and, and jobs and um, activities that fill you up and not bring you down. So as an OBGYN, you take care of women's bodies, but the work that you are doing truly is transformative for people. And I really appreciate that you are utilizing your training, your experience, your communication skills to help people make these these moves. Thank you so much. I mean, that that means a lot. So thank you. I appreciate that. I adore you. I want you to tell my friends who are listening where they can find you in case they want to learn more from you or even work with you. Yes, absolutely. So I'm on all of the social media outlets. I am on Instagram and TikTok at busyobmama. That's me. Um, And then I'm on the busyobs.com. And I think that we can place all that in the notes and yeah, please feel free. I'm taking people. And even if you just need someone to chat with about how to get started, that's, that's where I am. And I'm happy to be here. It's funny. You mentioned social media and I'll leave, uh, leave you with this friends. You know, there's so many free resources out there. There's so many books and podcasts and experts who are sharing advice for free. We're, 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 we're out there giving information 
and motivation and, and inspiration out there for free. So when I'm speaking with my friends, these colleagues that I interview on this podcast, I really want you to go and follow them online because, you know, it might make the difference between whether you wake up and do the same old stuff or, you know, change course in your life for the better. So uh, we're here to educate and inspire you. And I hope that you feel educated and inspired with each podcast. Um, I speak with these, these physicians and these women physicians for a reason. They are, you are goals, Radhika Sharma. You are. <laughs> Thank goals. you. And, and you can be too. And you're amazing. I, I just love it. It's been, it's just so great. I love well, it. Thank you so much for being here and for doing what you do. You are valued. You're appreciated. You are loved. And I hope that we can do this again soon. I hope so too. Yeah. Thank you again for having me. My pleasure. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to my podcast, Family Health with Dr. Lex. If you love the music like I do, you can find more at therealmichaelvm.com forward slash music. If you'd like to support the show, please leave a review, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can ask questions, suggest topics for future podcast interviews, and find more health and wellness information on my website, drlexlifestylemedicine.com. See you next time. Oh, oh, oh.